Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tyson Popplestone here. Welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast. Great to have you here. Today on the show, we've got brand manager from Up There Athletics, Patrick Monty, joining us on the show. Patrick and I were introduced to each other from a mutual friend, actually uh, one of the guys who works for Precision Fuel and Hydration, Chris Knight, connected us knowing we were uh, around the same age, in the same vicinity, and uh, had some pretty similar goals. So I reached out to him and said, mate, tell me about Up There Athletics. I'd seen a lot of their stuff online. I'd seen their website. I liked the look of it. It made distance running look cool, <laughs> which is something we spoke about in here today, which in fairness is a, a sensitive spot for me because it was never the coolest sport when you're in high school. But I mean, it's because they didn't have branding like this. More than that, uh, about halfway through this conversation, or about 10 minutes in, I think, I can't remember exactly, I found out that Patrick himself is a 231 marathon runner, which I had no idea about. So I came into this conversation just keen to hear about Up There Athletics and uh, his role and where they're going and what they're doing. And we spoke about that briefly at the start, but then when I found out he's run a 231 marathon, I mean, the, the running excitement, the running nerd jumped out at me and started asking questions about that. So we started to talk about his journey in the marathon, uh, what got him interested in it, how much he's improved over the last couple of years, fueling, hydration, training, all the good stuff, everything that's always nice to tap into and speak to a marathon runner about. So it actually turned out to be a really informative marathon conversation, which, I mean, for my own selfish purposes, is beautiful getting ready for the Melbourne Marathon. So I really hope you enjoy this one. Don't forget, uh, these episodes are posted over at YouTube as well. If you haven't joined up over there, we've got about 7,500 people following the Relax Running podcast and uh, videos over there. So each week I put up usually at least a podcast and a running-based video. So uh, I'm also uh, putting up some of the Relax Running Sub 240 or Breaking 240 videos as we head towards um, the Melbourne Marathon. So that'll distract my training. We'll go on some training runs and I'll speak. And I've been motivated by some of the YouTube channels like Sweat Elite and Ben Parks. And there's a whole heap of guys who are sort of documenting their running training. And, and I love it so much. So I thought, hey, I might venture down this track as well. So if you're interested in more of that, make sure you go and subscribe, follow along at uh, over at YouTube. But for now, welcome to the show for the very first time, the brand manager, 231 marathoner, from Up There Athletics, Patrick Monty. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. As I, as I said, just before we hit record, we were introduced by uh, Chris Knight, who is, I'm not sure of his role, but he works at Precision Fuel and Hydration. And him and I have been in contact quite a lot because Andy, uh, who's the man behind Precision Fuel and Hydration, has been on the show and answered all my questions about hydration and fueling. And um, he, he's had some really popular episodes on here. But he was saying to me that uh, you guys have, oh, no, I think it was you telling me. So you guys are there, um, one of their big distributors, or that's the main brand or the one brand that you're working with in terms of fueling and hydration at Up There Athletics? Yeah, yeah, correct. We actually, um, it hasn't been that long. We um, we got them on board sort of within the last couple of months. And um, we, yeah, sort of did our research into into what was the sort of the number one product out there. We do like to um, to stock you know, the sort of number one product in each range, whether that be, you know, Morton for, for the fueling and then Precision for the hydration and, and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, since coming on board, it's been been fantastic. It's um, customers seem to be loving it and, and the staff are into it, so um, so no complaints. Yeah, they're just a cool brand in the sense that 
I, I found them like just to go back to what you were saying before for what to become a pretty big company now super approachable like the amount of athletes that they must be working with and the amount of people in just in various sports they've they've sort of got that have their their finger on the pulse of what's going on and, and even just in terms of their general advice around fueling and carb loading and things like that I found so helpful because I'm, I'm getting ready for the Melbourne Marathon this year and that's just an area that I, I had no idea about I was always a track and field athlete so there was never much time in a 1500 to <laughs> need to stop for fueling yeah, or, you're probably not running it right if you're many. stopping for a gel <laughs> that's right so it's been so helpful just to jump on their website and try and navigate my way through that I've got what like 20 weeks to to try and get it moderately sorted out so we've got plenty of time but yeah they've been really helpful man but dude I was there's quite a few things I was I was really keen to have a chat to you about because as I mentioned from a distance I'd I'd seen up there athletics I'd seen the the quality of your Instagram the website and, and just thought it looked really good but in terms of your role there man like paint the picture of of sort of how you got involved there because what's your background a little more design and um, from what I could tell design and sort of that creative space was was where you sit pretty nicely yeah yeah correct so I um I studied graphic design um at uni and and sort of you know did my time there and and got out and when I was um as I was finishing up uni I actually worked for um for the guys that that own the two stores um just as part-time retail to to see me through uni and then um left there after um a few years of, of full-time work and helping out with the design work to um to head off and, and do my own thing for a couple of years and then um it was sort of during that uh lull that I started getting um into my running and then um the guys had sort of identified the, the gray area in the market um in the running market and and got in touch and and asked me if I wanted to come on board and sort of help set up up their athletics and um and run the show on that side of things so um that's sort of where it all where the I guess the idea for the shop came about and then um we we're very fortunate that we had the other store up their store which had been around for for 13 or so years now um you know to have the relationships with the brands and and that sort of stuff it sort of made the process a hell of a lot easier than just going in and, and cold emailing or cold calling um nike and and hoping, hoping that they pick up so um yeah that definitely made things a little bit easier and and it's been say we're probably 18 months that the physical store's been open now we launched the online store um a little bit before that just due to um stock was piling up and we had to start moving some of it um so yeah and it's been it's been really good it's been a bit of a whirlwind we've been incredibly fortunate with with the way the community has has picked up on things and and um and joined in our you know our events and activations and and shopped at the store so um yeah incredibly thankful to to the melbourne running community and and internationally who have um who have supported us so far and you know we like to think we're sort of at the still fairly young and still at the start of our journey so um hopefully we can go strength to strength from here yeah it's interesting talking about the support that you've gotten from the melbourne running community it's a massive community isn't it it's one thing that i really missed i officially finished sort of my competitive or my my really serious attempt at middle distance running in about 2013 and it wasn't until like a couple of years out of the sport that i realized just how many people there were that i kind of just fallen out of touch with and I sort of looked back into the scene. I was like, I, it, I almost felt a little bit lost. It's unbelievable how many middle distance runners there are just running around in, well, 
what what is it like? I was going to say a relatively small town by world standards, but I mean in Australia we're we're up there. But in terms of being outside of a running field and looking in, you assume it's pretty small. But once you get involved, it's yeah, it's kind of mind blowing just how many people you've got to work with. Do you guys are, are you sort of more targeted at the recreational runner, or are you trying to cover the breadth of um, just anyone who's trying to get a foot in the door and and just trying to improve the running performance? That's that's sort of your target. It's sort of we've found it's grown and and definitely changed over the year and the bit that we've been open. I think when we initially um, were pitching to brands and and the idea was was growing, it was very much I think we from a product standpoint wanted to target that real top echelon of of elite product, which is is well and good product speaking, but it can have you know a negative effect on on your target consumer because obviously that can be quite intimidating to some people. Um, I mean, the way the market is now, it's it, it doesn't seem that way when you've got, you know, everyone wearing alpha flies and, and all the rest of it every day of the week. Um, but as time's sort of gone on and, and the store's grown, we've found that the guys in store can be servicing, you know, anyone from, from sub-elite guys who, you know, should probably be on a contract somewhere um, right down to, to entry-level stuff. And I think that's probably one thing that differs from our other store on the fashion side of things the running store is you get a lot of people coming in genuinely looking for advice um and i think our sales strategy for lack of a better word is is very much centered around staff knowledge and and that you can go in no matter what level of of running you're at and there's going to be common ground there with the guys in store and um you know nine times out of ten they're going to give you you know the the appropriate advice and and the customer will will most likely follow that advice um so it, it really has grown to just to be a full breadth of of real entry level um runners you know people that have been running for for 50 years and and just about everyone in between and i think the little running boom you know covid running boom that that we experienced in melbourne and around the world um obviously helps that because the groundswell of people that that are picking up running um is is massive and it's 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 pretty cool to see and it's pretty cool to be an active part of of that community an active part of helping it grow and helping people get access to products that you know two years ago might have been a pipe pipe dream or you know might not have had the the reach to be able to get products from from internationally and and particularly some of the more expensive one is is who wants to to spend x amount of dollars on something before you try it on yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I reckon the the knowledge factor of just being able to come into a place like that's so helpful. Like as I just mentioned, 2013 was when I finished running competitively and I always had a foot in the door and I kind of had an idea of, you know, what shoe was comfortable. And then I had a couple of years away where I really didn't look too much into the the footwear or the gear component of the game. And then I came back at the start of this year and was like, all right, I'm going to start training for a marathon. And the first thing that was just mind-blowing to me was just the changes in the the shoe technology. Like obviously with Kipchoge's sub two, um, the vapor flies, the the alpha flies, there's just so much. Like the idea of a carbon plate in any of my shoes back in the day was just such a foreign concept. To be honest, I still don't completely yeah. understand what's going on there. And I was having a yeah. look at your YouTube channel before and, and just listening to, I can't remember his name, but one of the guys was walking through one of the pairs of Sorconi and, you know, how it's, um measurements and standards or, or, or weights and things like that were just in and around what the IAAF or the world athletics mm. standard required or accepted and I thought oh my gosh like 
it's unbelievable just how much there is to know. I don't know if you know Matt Fox from from Sweat Elite. Yeah. Do you know him? Yeah, I messaged him a while ago because I'd watched a couple of his videos, and I go, mate, just point me in the right direction. What? <laughs> what yeah, tell me what I need am to buy. I where to buy it? What do I? Yeah, exactly right. And uh, so, so I, I sort of bring that up just to say it seems like, and maybe it could just be the fact that I've dipped my foot back into a world of um, information that I hadn't had a lot to do with for a long time. Is it a matter of okay, like get your mind around what the the key race shoes and training shoes are at the moment and get those in stock, or how do you guys go about deciding what it is that you actually stock? Because obviously, with a physical space, there's limited room, so you can't just have infinite mm. options. But how do you yeah. decide what it is that you're bringing in and uh, what it is that you're advising sort of athletes to to run in? It is it's it is a tricky one, and it's a um, you know in an ideal world, you'd love to to take every every shoe and um and offer that you know offer the biggest range to a customer but um like you said you got you know limited shelf space you got limited budget um so we the way we sort of like to keep things pretty clean and and sort of play in you know each segment of the of the footwear um industry or in you know within a brand so you might have your your top end racing shoe then you might have a um a fast training shoe which is probably um where there's probably the most amount of shoes these days in the current climate um then that obviously filters down to to a stability option and a um a guidance option and then um max cushion um and then we have some some niche products um a brand called ultra which sort of specialize and have made their name in um in a wider um a wider platform and a zero drop um so it's good to have those sort of specialized products as well um but yeah that's sort of the the angle we come at it from is not to give customers a within one brand an option in each of those categories um and not you know confuse them with with five five shoes in one category and two in another and all in different colors so i mean it can be it can be tricky sometimes um it's definitely not an easy process um with that many shoes out there and that many um competing shoes out there it's you know obviously the way it goes it, it ebbs and flows as to which brand is sort of taking top spot at that moment and um you want to provide the best from each brand um but yeah it, it can definitely be tricky sometimes and and hunter who's our store manager he's the the guy on the youtube um and instagram and stuff and he's you know he teaches the guys in store and and they're incredibly knowledgeable with all those stats you were talking about and it's I mean, it never ceases to amaze me. Sometimes you get customers in store and know know ten times more than than what the guys serving them do, and um, and you almost just let them let them do their thing, and and they can teach them a thing or two. Yeah, man. No, I can imagine that's a it's a really obsessive compulsive sport, and I know once people start mm. dipping their feet in the water of what is the uh, the shoe knowledge, it can go very deep very quickly. It's it's something yeah. I think I've settled for. I haven't even tried them on yet, so I might have to come in and and get your advice but I, I think i've settled under the guidance of matt fox i reckon i'm going to go for the vapor flies in october just because i mean it's so hard to look past the marketing of the sub two you you go okay surely yeah. this is the best shoe even though i don't know if you guys have the I, I might be getting the name wrong i like the look of the is it meta speed in asics the it was like yep. a blue a meta speed they yeah. look nice as well and the, the truth is like there seem to be so many world-class runners not that i'm aiming to be world-class in in any sense of the word but 
there seems to be so many world-class athletes out there at the moment in all different brands. So it seems like the mm. playing field's leveled out a little bit, you know, since Nike got the jump a few years ago. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's other brands that are that are really catching up um, and you, you sort of see that on when you see the recap of, of the men's and women's podiums at, at the major marathons, you know, in a year or two ago, it would have been, you know, Nike vapor flies for all six of them. And then these days it's, you know, you've got Adidas are really, really pushing the envelope with their stuff. And, um, and you got, yeah, ASICs creeping in and, and Saucony and, and a few others. So it's, it's good to see that everyone is sort of catching up. Um, no doubt Nike's probably got something up their sleeve, which will, um, which will push them ahead soon enough. Um, as it, as it usually is the case, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting market to be in at the moment. And it's really positive from a retailer's point of view to have all the brands vying for that top spot and, and to have consumers and customers come in and, and sort of want to try on the top, the top shoes from each brand. And, and, you know, they might go for something that they didn't necessarily come in store looking for. Um, mm-hmm. and it's cool to be able to offer them that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, man. I read before um, before I got in here today that uh, I'm not sure if I'm quoting this right, but you've got an appreciation for almost the the underground scene in the um, I'm not sure if it's just culture in general or specifically the running market. And I I don't know how much you have to do with Riley Wolf or whether you know Wolf uh, or Wolverine. I think they call him. He was on here early, and it's it's kind of cool because uh, when I say early, like this is a couple of years ago now. We're we're going back in some time. But he's he's one guy I really enjoy following based on the fact that he seems to have the approach to what he does that um, was described on I reckon it was your LinkedIn that I read, and it's it's interesting because I reckon two thousand and or two thousand was probably when I got involved in running and distance running. It never had it was never something that you told the girl at school you did because you were trying to impress her. <laughs> it was it always yeah. had that reputation of you know like do it and you do it purely because you love it. Like the football boys were going to yeah. get the girls based on not only physique and skill level, but just the appeal to people watching, whereas I just went out and ran 3Ks really fast. But what I like about, uh, uh, you know, the description that you offered was the the fact that there's an approach to making a sport more appealing. And I, I'm fascinated by that marketing element of, a, uh, of any sport, really, because it's interesting that one particular thing can take off uh, for, for, you know, a variety of reasons. But the approach that, or the vibe that I got, and the reason I was keen to talk to you, uh, uh, you know, on behalf of Up There Athletics, was just because I feel like what you guys are delivering, it, it sort of breaks that stereotype of of dorky runner, which may has been, it yeah. might have been broken up. But I like the idea of something like that because I reckon one, especially for for the younger guys out there, one of the hurdles that you got to try and navigate is just the vanity aspect of a sport like distance running. Is that yeah. something that I'm, I'm I'm guessing this is a silly question, but like in terms of uh, like what it is that you, you you're trying to appear as to the market is is that what it is like the modern runner is the vibe I get? Yeah, definitely. It's 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 the modern runner and it's the the everyday runner and and like we've mentioned a few times that groundswell of of people that have started running um, and integrated into into their everyday lives, but they might come from from any number of backgrounds, um, whether it be a creative background or or any number of um of industries and it's it is very much like that um i mentioned it earlier and identifying that gray area between our other store and sort of sneakers and fashion and and that sort of thing and like you said the dorky running store and sort of trying to reinvent what that can look like um and you know there's there's a number of brands around the world that are that are sort of on that quest as well um and so offering 
offering a space, your physical and digital, where those brands can exist and the the space and the experience does them justice as well. Um, but it is it is very much, yeah, that that kind of cool runner aesthetic, which you know can sound can sound pretty wanky at times. And and again, you don't want to um, intimidate anyone or marginalise anyone because it is an incredibly accessible sport. And and the last thing um, we want to do is is make someone feel like they they can't come because they're not cool enough or or you know whatever the words may be. So um, yeah, for lack of a better word, I think the making running cool is um is definitely on our um to-do list yeah making running cool again that's good it's interesting you say that there's not that many places out there i mean i spent my days growing up and going into runner's world here in melbourne and if you ever just needed i mean i love this so i say with nothing n- nothing but love in my heart if you ever want a dorky runner that's where you go they've got the <laughs> they've got the, yeah. the vintage products and when i say vintage i'm pretty sure the bloke who runs the store is the same one that opened it in 1847 like it's going back a bit he's a a super helpful guy but it's just a um yeah it's it's such an interesting it's such an interesting world to be a part of and i mean you say you got to be careful not to be wanky mate i'll I'll take wanky any day of the week if i can if i can look (laughs) good while i'm out there doing a 10k run and convince someone that i'm I'm real cool doing it i'll I'll absolutely take that yeah what what was your background in the sport (laughs) yeah exactly right man exactly right uh, what was your background? Because the the running world's an interesting place to end up in for whatever reason, but like mm. particularly in a, a a design kind of element. Did you have a background? Were you a competitive athlete growing up, or sort of how did you navigate no, your way into you know a focus I mean, on athletics? I played, I, I you know played sport when we were young at school, um, footy, cricket, and and all the rest of it. But um, I think you know high school athletics carnivals was probably the day that I try and get out of the most. Um, so it was, it was definitely not on my radar, um, through primary school or high school. Um, and I probably started running a little bit, um, you know, post school, um, you know, when having too many nights out and, and too many late night kebabs and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, you got to do something to, to hold things (laughs) at bay. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of, you know, I was I was running here and there, and and I always knew that my old man did a couple of marathons when he was um, sort of mid to late twenties. Um, so I'd sort of had a little bit of exposure to that, and um, and I think it was it was twenty eighteen. A, a good friend of ours, um, his uh, some family friends of ours, that she passed away from a, a rare form of blood cancer, and her son was living in New York at the time, and he. Um, was looking to raise some money for for the multiple myeloma foundation and he um gave me a bell and said you know we've got this opportunity to to go and run new york marathon um for the foundation they they reserve a certain amount of spots for charity runners and um there's a few little stipulations you have to meet with a, a minimum um amount of money raised and stuff like that and and i sort of thought you know running a marathon was never on my bucket list it was never something that that occurred to me um, as something to do for fun, and but I sort of thought, you know, that's a it's a pretty good opportunity to to travel, and there probably won't be another opportunity to to go and run New York Marathon at that time. So I um, signed up, and and that was sort of where I where I got the bug from. Um, definitely didn't train properly for that. Managed to get through, you know, uns, unscathed. I, I still. I still say that the naivety of the whole thing probably um, probably held me in good stead because I, I didn't go out looking for 
for any time or any splits or, or anything like that. It was just about getting to the finish line in one piece and um, sort of had no idea where the course was going or, or where it was taking us. So um, it was a pretty amazing experience, especially for your, for your first marathon to be, to be a major. Yeah, man. What was the atmosphere like? I've seen photos of the start line and uh, I've got a little taste just through YouTube, but never been there. It's mm. definitely on my bucket list of one I would like to run eventually. Like what was the, yeah, what was the experience like? It's pretty incredible. It's the, the, yeah, the start line. And I mean, it's a little bit stressful getting, getting over the bridge before they close it. And you're, you're sort of sitting on the, on the bus or on the ferry while the time's ticking away um, before your wave starts. But then, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we talk about the Melbourne running community and, and how we are so small. It, it, you don't realize how small we are and how small our community is until you go to a major like that. And you see, you know, for 42 Ks, there's, people lining the streets five deep with with signs there's people having block parties that you know it's the whole city is involved um from start to finish and it's a real um you know it's it's almost like a public holiday and and that many people get around it that it's it's so amazing to to be there and and to be a part of it and you get so much energy from from those crowds um obviously with, with smaller marathons and smaller races you know you might struggle for a bit of motivation at times throughout the race because it's it can be a ghost town out there you know during Melbourne Marathon and 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 at different parts um but yeah you just the energy you get from from the crowds is um it's pretty hard to to emulate anywhere else yeah man I can imagine I I saw I'm trying to think of what it was called like City to Bay, I think, was the race in Adelaide that I did. And I remember doing that one year back in about 2008, 2009, and they had a drummer set up along, I don't know if it's Anzac Highway, one of the roads out there, and he was the only mm. bloke around for what felt like miles. And I was like, I love the concept, but I still don't feel inspired. <laughs> there was there was one drum, but I think the, uh, the footage that I saw of New York Marathon was it looked like there was that kind of setup all the way through, yeah. just wherever it was that you turned, there was noise and people and music and yeah, it looked unbelievable, and I can imagine that um, you know YouTube does absolutely no justice to what it's like when you when you get there. So, what was your training like going into it? You said you didn't really prepare for it, right? I had no idea what you were doing. Like, what did you do yeah. before you you went and had a crack? I think I was on the the Nike um, the NRC app, so the Nike Running Club app, and there's a there's a function oh, yeah. on there where they can you know you can put in your um, your goal race, and it sort of spits you out a um a generated plan so I was, I was sort of loosely following that but um i think you touched on it earlier about nutrition and and i i don't even think i knew the words race nutrition um at that point um so there was um there wasn't too much you know fueling before or or during or after which which definitely cost me um you know during some long runs and that sort of stuff so i was following a plan loosely but um but definitely not to the extent that I that I would these days or um or anything like that. So um yeah, definitely naivety naivety um played a big part in that one. Yeah. So you've gone reverse of most athletes. Like a lot of my friends from high school are no longer running despite how obsessed they were with it back in sort of 2004, 2005. You came from sort of a no interest into it sounds like you you're pretty into it now. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. Um, it's gone zero to one hundred, uh, pretty quickly. I think you can thank a couple of COVID years of um of getting really into it, um, for that. And yeah, I'm sure my my partner Phoebe would definitely agree that it's um, it can be all consuming at times. I think particularly when it when you um when you turn a hobby into a job as well. 
Yeah, man. Okay, so yeah, you're right into it. So, so what are you training for at the moment? Actually, maybe a better way to get into this particular conversation is how many marathons have you done now? Uh, five now. Started start six. Gee, five. okay. All right. And what's your fastest time? Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago in London. It was 2.31 and about 40 seconds, I think. Oh, wow, man. Oh, dude, I had no idea that I was talking to a real good marathon runner. See, I, <laughs> that's unbelievable. That's a huge, a huge performance. So, uh, two thirty-one in London. I don't know. Uh, yeah, London. I mean, it's renowned for. It's had some pretty quick finishes. Actually, this year was pretty quick, wasn't yeah. it? I don't know what yeah, the winner ran, but it was. Wasn't it was like the second fastest of all time? Or have I made that up? I'm confusing that no, with no, something else. Yeah, no, that's right. It was two hundred one. I think it was two hundred one twenty-five. I could be wrong there. There's probably some. Some gurus, stack gurus out there screaming at me for that. So, so how long have you been training for then? Because two thirty one is uh, is really impressive, man. You'd be eyeing off that sub two thirty in the next uh, in the next couple of races, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, that was the. I mean, that was the plan for London, but um, but I'll take the um, I'll take the the PB regardless. But um, yeah, it was sort of uh, after New York, I did Melbourne and and sort of probably was a little bit ambitious after New York and um and so I ran three thirty in New York and then ran three thirty one the next year in Melbourne. Um which was tough with a few little few little spots walking and, and whatnot in there. Um and then then what do we and then we went to went down to Hobart and did Hobart Marathon and that was two forty seven and then um did Melbourne again and that was 235 and then uh gold coast last year i dnf'd um which was a bit of pill to swallow um but obviously needed some redemption um at london yeah a few weeks ago so um what happened in gold, is, up on the gold coast uh it was probably a combination of things i mean it's it's flying in the day before probably wasn't the smartest thing to do um and I had a few sort of stomach issues um, pretty early on in the race, but um, yeah, it was it was struggling early, and it's it was sort of a long way home from there. So um, yeah, it's it's never ideal to to not finish something you started, but um, but it, yeah, it was just just one of those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so what have you got your eyes on now? So London was uh, a few weeks ago, and then what's next on the calendar? Uh, hopefully Melbourne, um, like yourself, oh, I'll sort of getting back into sessions this week and next. So, um, so I was sort of throwing a, a bunch of potential races at my coach the other day and, and came to the realization that I probably just need to pump the brakes a bit and, and just see how the body feels getting back into some sessions before I, um, dive head first into anything. Yeah. Who's coaching you, man? Uh, Ellie Pashley. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, yeah. I know Ali. I know yeah. Ali. I've followed her results for for a few years now. Oh, so you're in some you're in some real good hands there. Yeah, yeah. Ellie's fantastic, and Ellie and um and Julian, who who have run strong and and they do a great job. So um, very hands on, and and you know sometimes you feel like you you're annoying the shit out of her. Um, but yeah, she does a very <laughs> good job, and she um she is very patient. That's for sure. 
Man, next time you see Julian, tell him to check his Instagram message because I'm trying to get him on the show as well. And we're about as good as Instagram as as each other. I think it's just been unread for both of us for about six months. But um, <laughs> I'll let him. I'll we let gotta, him know because we, we run, run cross country <laughs> for Geelong. So I'll um I'll next next cross country meet. I'll give him a nudge. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, let him know. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm out in Point Lonsdale. I heard because he's got his store out this way as well, doesn't he? Like he's running, uh, looking after. I can't. What, what's the name of their store? The the run the uh, the running I'm company. Blanking. The running company. That's right. Yeah, because I knew he yeah. looked after that. I'd, I'd heard a couple of episodes of um, the Inside Running podcast, and I'd heard him speak about that. So, man, like, what is how, how are you structuring your week of training at the moment? Are you uh, like in terms of how many sessions you're doing and long runs? Like, what does a an average week look like for you? At the moment, it's, it's sort of a little bit a little bit skewed. We're just sort of building back up um, mileage again after um, pretty much two weeks of of not much, which was good um, post London. But yeah, standard week, you know, outside of a marathon block is sort of um, sort of sits around 130 ish k's, and we'll have a, a session on a Tuesday and a session on a uh, Friday, and then long run Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, is is usually the way we do it and then um yeah it'll just be a bunch of um a bunch of mileage sprinkled in there um throughout and then when we get into a marathon block it sort of shifts a little bit with a session on a on a, a longer session on a thursday and then a session um that's sort of incorporated into our long run on a sunday sure yeah like a, a few a few 2k efforts or maybe a 30 minute threshold or something like that yeah we'll tend to do sort of a, a good chunk um of the long run just jogging to start with just to sort of get the legs tired and then um and then change shoes and get into yeah like a um you know three by five k or or something just to to get oh, the body sure. used to running sort of marathon pace on tired legs yep what what shoes are you racing in uh well i was lucky enough that um to for london that that new balance um who are the major sponsor there um managed to get me an entry so i um yeah ran in the the new um rc elites from from new balance yeah okay and how like they they obviously went pretty well i mean it's hard to criticize a shoe when you've just beaten your pb yeah yeah Yeah, no they're 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 a great shoe and and the guys there were um were good enough to sort me out with a couple pairs through training and and whatnot as well so um yeah it was a really good shoe i mean that's probably the the downside of of having access to to all the um all the racing shoes and and all the shoes from all the brands is that sometimes it can make for a pretty tough choice as to as to what to wear when and all that sort of stuff but um but it's definitely a first world problem yeah for sure are you like during your training are you practicing with your your fueling because that's another thing that i've learned through the conversations with andy is that like in terms of how many carbs you're able to handle through a marathon? My, I don't know if you've if you've heard uh, me speaking about it, but I, I ran my first marathon in 2018. It sounds like it was very similar to your New York approach. Like went out thinking that the marathon was the easiest event in the world based on the first half, and then found out no, no, it yep. had a reputation for being difficult for a reason. And man, I was climbing stairs that whole second half just to say the least. And um, like one of the areas that I've, I'm really looking forward, I've, I'm having a little bit of trouble with my calves at the moment, just um, been a long time out of the sport and like the intense sessions just didn't play that much of a role in my running week. So I'm just starting to introduce a little bit of that, but the the legs are trying to find the right balance because my aerobic tank's like, all right, we're ready to go. And then my legs are like, yeah. mate, I'm not 100% sure what you think we're doing this year. So I'm trying to find that that sweet balance, but 
one of the things that I, I have enjoyed uh, up until a couple of weeks ago when I was doing my longer run was just having a play with some of the sodium tablets the day before, the morning of, um, and for recovery. Like I'm, I, I'm sure an element of it's placebo and my fitness improving, but Monday a couple of weeks ago, like I'd just done 20Ks and um, like I finished at a, uh, like the average pace was 4.32, which for me at the time is, is pretty quick, but it was, it was one of those runs where it felt, felt fairly smooth doing it. But I thought I'm going to yep. pay for this so much in the morning. And, uh, and I woke up and I, I, do, I, I do think like surely hydration had some element in my recovery because mm. I'd, I'd been really slack up until that point with hydration. Like I might have a couple of glasses of water and not really pay that much attention the day before. And I even took a gel out with me just to, just to get a little bit of a feel for that in the long run because it's just, as I said, something I'd never really played mm. with before. Are you doing a lot of practice with that kind of stuff or do you feel like you have it down to a bit of a fine art now? It's definitely, definitely not a fine art. I think it's, I think the marathon's one of those things where you, you know, you learn something every time and, and you never, yeah, you're never um, 100% set on, on what's going to happen or what's going to work and, and what's not. So you definitely learn something from, from every time you go through a block and, and run the full distance. Um, sort of have definitely got a lot better over the years with, with fueling and it's probably one of the biggest misconceptions when people get into um distance running is is under fueling and and just how much you need to eat to be able to maintain you know your energy in recovery and and all that sort of stuff um i can i can probably still say unequivocally that i don't eat enough for the amount that i train um i desperately try to but um it's it's sort of not in my in my nature um to be doing that but um yeah we definitely practice through you know every long run um will virtually be anything over you know 15 or 16 k's i'll be having a, a gel or two um just to help with so you're not you're not really bottoming it bottoming out in those long runs and and even to the point where you know you might have a long run session and you might be the session might be 39 or 40 k's all up and and you think having something having a gel at 38 k is a bit a bit redundant but you got to look at it look at it from a point of recovery as well if you're taking on those carbs late in the run then you essentially look at it as refueling for after. So you have your gel and you might be, you might have finished your long run 10 minutes later, but those carbs are going to help you recover as well. They don't, they're not strictly for, for during. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. But yeah, mm. that's a really, I, that's something I hadn't even really thought of. Like I'd been in my 90 minute run. So that was that 20 K run I was telling you about the other day. I had a gel at about 45, uh, no, no, sorry, at about 30 minutes in. And that was just under the guidance of Andy. I thought, all right, I'll just sample it here. And as I said, like I'd never really had that much trouble with fatigue, especially at sort of 90 minutes. Once I started mm. to get out to about two hours or a bit after that, one of the one of my worst or least favorite feelings is that feeling of like just being so hungry and drained and looking at your watch and being like, oh no, I've still got 40 minutes left. So yeah. <laughs> I definitely uh, I definitely danced around that with the 90 minute run. But um, in, in terms of in terms of just maintaining energy levels, I felt good for that one. Are you are you playing with sodium tablets and things like that as well? Like, has that got much uh, of a, a part in your hydration? I haven't I haven't played with it yet. I think the, that's been the really the good the good thing about precision is that sort of how you can the differing levels of of sodium in in the products and how you can um, sort of personalize that to your needs. If you're a you know you're a heavy sweater or you're prone to cramping and different stuff like that. Um, I've personally never had too many issues with cramping. Um, I do like a bit of salt on my food, so I don't know if that <laughs> if that plays into it at all or not. 
Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't experimented too much with, um, with sodium tablets. I tend to, to stick to the, to the Morton gels and, um, they do a solid bar, which, which has been really good as like a, um, a pre-run, pre-run fueling. Cause I, I don't like to eat too short, like before a run, um, like to sure. yeah. breakfast before I run and something to eat, wait, wait an hour or so. Um, before I get out. Um, so that's been really good. Um, but yeah, just, I think, like you said, it's, it's just working out what your body can handle. Cause obviously everyone's different. Um, you know, I've got a mate Liam that I train with, um, and he'll, you know, he's got a loaf of bread on the floor of his car, which he'll, he'll munch on on his way to, to the session. Um, and that's and not that Liam Adams, is it? No, it's not Liam Adams. <laughs> I was trying to say, so it that, sounds like a very Liam Adams thing to do. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's and so it is very much um, personal preferences as to how many, you know, how many carbs you can take on. I think that was that was probably part of the issue with with Gold Coast last year is I probably went a little bit heavy in the in the carb load in the days before and and probably didn't back off um, early enough. And I think I was mm-hmm. I probably you know suffered that um, with some stomach cramps and whatnot early in the race. Yeah. What were you doing for your carb load? Uh, we sort of worked to a, a 10 to 12 grams of carbs per kilo of body weight. Um, okay. So, I mean, that could be, you can sort of make it up um, any number of ways. There's obviously some really good um, liquid carb drinks out there these days, which I found really beneficial um, as a good way to take on easy carbs without um without munching you know volume of food um so i think recently for london i was probably a little bit more relaxed and and not being at home and not being able to control you know every little detail um sort of forced me to to back it off a little bit and just you know make use of what was available and um and just make sure i was eating you know between meals and and each meal was a little bit bigger um so it was good to to not have such a strict approach, and I think it you know ultimately worked pretty well in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with uh with your trip to London, how long before your race did you get there? Because you were saying obviously with Gold Coast, even though that's a relatively short flight, I know the day before, I wouldn't have liked that either. Just mm. the even just no. the stress of hoping everything <laughs> goes well and just trying to settle in. But I I've yeah. had the experience of I, I flew to um, Canada back in two thousand and ten actually with Liam Adams, and uh, he'd been travelling around, I want, I don't know if he was in the UK or where he was, but I ended up meeting him in Canada, and he had already pretty much adjusted to to the flights. Like we were going out for runs mm. together, and he seemed to be, he was faster than me, but he was uh, already still just tearing me up in a couple of sessions that we did together. Yeah. Whereas um, myself, like that that long flight, I couldn't believe how much I just felt like I got smacked for, mm. for probably four or five days. And looking back, I was like, all right, if I had my chance again, I would like probably like a week and a half to really get over yeah. there and just settle in and find my legs and, you know, get into a bit of a rhythm before the race. But how did yeah. you manage that? So we, we got in on the Wednesday night before a um, Sunday race, which was was a pretty good amount of time. I think anything less than that and, and it might have been pushing it. Um, I think the next, the very next day, so on the Thursday when I got out for a run, I was feeling pretty, pretty sluggish legs and and breathing and and you just 
you get very, I get very congested from the plane and, and your breathing doesn't feel right and, and nothing sort of is going your way. Um, but then, you know, each, um, each day following that was, was a massive improvement, um, which was good. I mean, it would be fantastic to be, you know, an elite athlete and head over there, you know, 10 days before you have to race and get fully acclimatized and all that. But, um, but unfortunately, um, us amateurs don't really have the, the annual leave to burn and the um and the time to be because yeah i did like pre-marathon like you're not doing anything and where you, wherever you're traveling anyway so um you know you could be in london but you're spending 10 days you know sitting on the couch going for a jog and and that's about it so it seems like a little bit of a waste of waste of your time in a in a big city yeah yeah it's very true man oh that's good dude i'm excited for you how, how old are you uh 30 30. Okay. Oh, that's good news. It's nice yeah. to look at a bloke like Ali Kipchoge breaking world records at 37 or 36 or whatever yeah. he is as well, because you know that yeah. uh, the horizon. Actually, Sinead Diver, she's uh, probably even more inspirational. I think I added a couple of years to her actual age, but what she, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, she must be 44 or 45, is she, when she broke the Aussie record? Yeah, I mean, I she so. was, she's definitely yeah. mid 40s. So I look at that and I go, all right, well, we've still got a couple of years. I'm 36. So I've, uh, I've got a couple of years yeah. <laughs> less than you, but the idea of getting back involved is certainly more inspirational or motivating knowing that there's some people, you know, with a decade on you still running pretty fast times. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where marathoning is, um, is, is cool because it is, you know, that, that prime time is it's, you know, it's not the same for everyone and it is shifted to like a little bit, a little bit later in life. And it's, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, hopefully I've still got a, a few more good years left in me. Yeah, man. Have you got your eyes on any any big time? Like, is there a target of like you'd love to run two twenty, or have you got any sort of horizons or or, or big landmarks other than two thirty set for yourself? Uh, not, uh, not really. I mean, I think I, you know, everyone everyone likes to dream and and you know think of of what could be. But if I'm being a hundred percent honest, like a year or or two years ago, two thirty would have seemed like an absolute pipe dream. So, um. Yeah, I don't think anything's possible if you if you're willing to work for it and and put your head down. But um, you know, if I can keep keep progressing the way I have been over the last couple of years, then then who knows what's on the horizon. But um, but I think I'll I'll look for that sub two thirty first, and then and then work out what's from there. Sure. Yeah, it's a smart way to do it. No, awesome, man. Well, dude, once I try and uh, once I finally get these calves figured out, I'm a Geelong boy, so I might have to yep. rock a Geelong singlet and try and come down to one of these cross country races with you and, and have a run around. It'd be good to uh, represent, but I got a lot of work to do before it gets to that. I'd be a uh, I'd be in D grade and probably still in a middle leg somewhere, <laughs> just so I don't embarrass the team too much. But um, mate, great to chat to you. I actually I got way more than I bargained for. I was looking forward just to hearing a bit about a. Uh, up there athletics but once you started talking about the fact you're a 230 marathon man that uh that got me excited so and it's it's such a point of fascination for me at the moment obviously going into what feels like my my first proper marathon preparation to to just pick yep. the brains of a bloke like you and hear about how uh, how it's all going so my goal at the moment is if i can get the body right i'd love to you know try and have a crack at that 240 mark but i mean i feel like they're real big words at the moment because yeah, at the moment, uh, just going for a forty-minute jog with my calves intact seems to be the uh, seems to be the goal. Yeah, I mean, two forty is is massive in its own right. I remember someone someone um, a little while ago was telling me like the what the global um, the global average is for a marathon finisher, and it's it's I think it's over four hours or something. So it's Gee. you know two forty still in the you know whatever top percentile it is. It's still um 
it's still moving for 42 k's dude i should stop saying it i should stop telling people now because if i run 259 i would still be stoked yeah yeah, <laughs> so yeah. i just gotta get out i just thought two feeling was a more appealing headline so i just went with it now i'm gonna uh pay for it dearly yeah. <laughs> no, i'm sure you'll be fine anyway man Dude, I'll uh, I'll let you go, but man, really appreciate you stopping by and uh, and having a chat. And seriously, if you're interested, I'll I'll shoot you a message as the body starts to get into a bit more shape. Are you? But you're based in Melbourne, are you? Yeah, 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 correct. Yeah, awesome. Well, if I'm ever down there having a run around the tent or something, I'll shoot you a text and see if we can line something up. Absolutely, man. Love to. All right, brother. Oh, hey, thanks for stopping by, man. No worries. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com 